welcome to the Thankful Homemaker Podcast, a podcast to be an encouragement and blessing to each other in the role God has called us to as women. I'm so thankful you stopped by, so grab yourself a coffee or tea and sit with me a bit as we talk about how God's Word impacts every area of our lives as Christian women. Hello friends, I'm Marcy Farrell from thankfulhomemaker.com and I am so glad to get some time with you guys today. We are on episode 63 and it's titled Fruitful Living in the Empty Nest Years. Okay, my younger listeners, don't shut the podcast off yet. I'm going to hope that you'll listen in. First off, because one day, Lord willing, you're going to be in this season. But secondly, I know you have older women in your life who are in this season, whether it's your mother or older women, friends that you have at church. And I hope that you'll get maybe a little more insight into their difficulties and challenges and maybe grab a nugget or two to be an encouragement to them and maybe grab a nugget or two for when these years come upon you. So in this season of my life, as I approached, I found myself having a lot of questions going on in my mind. Maybe I didn't vocalize them, but there are things that I was thinking internally. Things like, what does it look like to live a fruitful life in these empty nest years? What do I do now? What does my day-to-day life look like? Am I needed anymore? These were just a few of the questions that raced through my mind as the season approached me. And then also getting the question from others like, hey, what are you going to do now that your kids are gone? And I wasn't always prepared with an answer, sadly. I mean, what was I going to do now, right? So I don't have all the answers, and I am still continuing to learn, as I tell you always, and that is really my purpose here, to learn with you and alongside you what the Lord continues to teach me. And I love our Facebook group because we work that through with each other, what we are all learning. But I do desire to share some thoughts with you on lessons the Lord has taught me and what he continues to teach me in this season that I've really grown to cherish cherish much more than I initially thought I would. I mean, I, most of you know already, if you've listened, I have been married for over 33 years. I have two grown children. One of my grown children is married. My daughter, Amber, is married and she has three children. They live um, just 20 minutes from me. So my grandbabies are close. I get a lot of time with them. I know if you follow on Instagram, you probably see little shots here and there of me with my kiddos. And I absolutely love that. I'm so grateful. So as I'm telling you this, just so you know where I'm coming from, but really in the end here, our hope is not just to age. I don't want to just get old. I mean, I'm going to get old. That's a reality. But I want to age gracefully and I want to continue to grow in the knowledge of God and my love for him and in and through that to learn to offer others much grace and to grow in my love for them. So let me start off first with, I had a very emotional emptiness to begin with. So my daughter, who I just adore, Uh, When she got married, she married a man from Norway, and they moved to Norway. Okay? I thought I was going to die. I really (laughs) thought this is awful. I have this daughter who I'm close with and I love to be with, and she's thousands of miles away from me, and I can't just get in the car and drive to her. So it was quite an adventure. And then my son, my younger son, when he left, 
Um, he moved out to Albuquerque for a season, and he's back now too, thankfully. So I'm so grateful for the Lord for bringing these children close to me again. That is a sweet gift of his. But I remember packing the car and sending him off, and my heart was just broken. It was so hard. And you're going to start to think that, Marcy, are you losing your mind? So I was the kind of mom, I really, I love my kids. And I could picture myself walking into their rooms after they left. And I would lay in their beds and like smell their blankets and their pillow and just bawl my eyes out. It sounds so awful. I'm being very transparent here. Okay. Don't, don't call for help. I did. I got through this. Okay. But I would look around the room and just picture things in my mind, you know, visions of life with them, late night talks, sitting in their bed together, or when they're little, just picturing bedtime stories and prayer time with them. Missing being able to just hug them and kiss them because they're not there every day with me. And the extra bodies at the dinner table, just dinnertime discussions, hanging out, driving places together, just being with them. And you know what? I even missed the extra laundry. I know, big surprise, because it meant that they were here. So now fast forward, and again, I'm saying they are both local to me so I can hug and kiss their sweet little faces, and I'm thankful for the ease to just shoot them a text message or leave a phone message. I have this feature on, um, I'm I'm an Apple girl, so on my iPhone, I have this feature I love that I could leave a voice text message. That's huge for me because I just dread texting. I just have such a challenge. It takes me forever. So I love being able that I could shoot my voice to them and they could hear me. And that means a lot to me. But but coming forward with this, it just took me a little bit of time and the Lord's work on me to settle into what home life now looked like. My emotions initially were all over, and there were days where loneliness was heavy and others where the freedom that the season brought was something new and exciting. So as the Lord grabbed hold of my thoughts and emotions and I spent time with him and in his word and realized that he does not leave me or forsake me and he's walking through this season with me and there are new things for this season. And as I as I talk about that, marriage is one. You know, marriage has to be a priority, right? My husband and I have always, even when our kids were home, made our marriage a priority, especially more so when we became believers. But even before Christ, we really loved each other and loved to be together. And we loved to do things together as a family too. But we enjoyed each other. So our marriage was very healthy. I was thankful for the time that my husband and I now had together alone. But let me tell you, as much as I say that, I still missed hearing mom being called out from my home at all different times of the day. Now I get Nana from my grandbabies when they're over, which I love. So as we come to grip with our emotions and we bring the focus back to one that's biblical, again, we're reminded, ladies, the Lord isn't finished with us yet. You're still a wife. And you're still a mother if you have children, and you we all have spiritual children in our lives. So we are spiritual mothers to somebody, and possibly some of us are already grandmothers, or maybe, Lord willing, one day great-grandmothers, right? How fun it will be to be in that season if the Lord allows me to live that long. But I'll tell you, heaven's pretty looking pretty good as I'm getting older, so I'm good with whatever he has for me. But I know that we've poured our lives into our children, but have we now poured them into our marriages? 
into our now adult children, our grandchildren, into our church family, into the younger women in our church. This is our season, friends. And let's talk about some areas that it may look like. And this is not exhaustive. I'm going to leave you with some resources over at the post for this so you can check out and learn a little more if you're really desiring to um, glean a little more about the empty nest season and how you can live one that flourishes and is fruitful in these um, years that the Lord has us. So one thing is to remember to live others-centered. And this goes for us whatever season we're in, right? Doesn't matter. But we should desire to be known as women who live lives of purpose, but with eternity set in our hearts. Our life should not become self-centered. We need to continue to live others-centered. And uh, the Philippians verses are just so practical for wherever we're at. Philippians 2, 3, and 4. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility count others more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. All right, so God has work for us to do, and it is not time to just stop living and sit our little butts down. Mm, It's not time for that. If that thought comes to mind, picture dear Elizabeth Elliot, who I love and cannot get enough of in her reading and um, and in her messages that I'm so thankful for technology to have the resources we do of hers. But at 63 years old, she started her Gateway to Joy radio program. So it is not time to sit down, ladies. We still have work to do. This is a great season of our lives to serve. And I'm going to um, talk about here to encourage you not just to go out and get a job if it's not needed, okay? This is an area I'm going to get a little, um, I don't always get confrontational, but I'm going to get a little confrontational here because I want you to listen to seek your heart and talk it over with the Lord and your husband before you would ever do this. I know this is not a popular statement, but listen, ladies, you have a lot to offer the younger generation in terms of your time and experience. And here's the other thing. If you are taking a job outside the home just to fill up time and not because it is a financial need, you have other areas you could be pouring that time into because if you're home, it allows you the freedom to care for aging parents or to help with grandchildren when needed. And I can attest, I feel a lot busier now sometimes than when my kids were home. And I have, um, I worked and I've shared this in other podcasts, but I did work for the first year of our marriage and we were not believers and I worked and my husband's mama cared for our little Amber for that time. But my heart was broke. I wanted to be home with her. Even I just missed her and I wanted to be, I wanted to be the one to watch her take her first steps and hear these first words and to care for her. And I, she was in great hands. Mama loved her like probably better than I loved her, but I, I was her mom and I wanted to be with her. So at some point we determined that I was going to be home. As we looked at the financials of what it was costing me to, you know, drive and work and, you know, our meals were not as um as cost effective at that time, especially in our early years. And we chose that I would be home. And I have been home ever since. I do work for my husband's business, but I do that from home. And obviously my blog time, um, which in this season of my life, I have a little more freedom than if I was home with littles to do this. And I'll tell you, it is still hard to fit this in, ladies. That's why you only get these podcasts and posts lately once a month. So I apologize. But even for me, my family is a priority. And I want to hold to that but I do want to share, when I was home, we had um, my husband's mom 
And those of you that have followed my blog for a long time probably maybe remember this season. It was probably in 2011 it began. My husband's mama had a stroke and she um, continued to have strokes. And it got to the point that she was, um, she was not going to be able to come out of the hospital and they put her in a nursing care facility and we didn't desire that for her. So this nursing care facility taught us how to care for her. She had a feeding tube and she had... Um, tracheotomy so we had to care for her trach so this nursing home was great for us they really equipped us and taught us how to care for her and they helped us to bring her home and Doug's dad was here with us at that time so we brought his parents into our home we turned our dining room into a hospice care center and we cared for our mama around the clock 24 hours and was it easy no it was a hard season but I loved her and I was thankful to be able to care for her in that way. And you know what? During that season, the Lord worked on my heart. I had a lot of selfishness and issues and things he brought out. And I am so grateful for that season because it continued to mold and shape me and tear down a lot of those ugly aspects in my life that he continues to do. So if I was working outside the home, we couldn't have done that. She would have had to stay in a nursing facility. And I get it. There are reasons for that and it is needed. And listen, I'm not, I'm not, I don't know your situation. I am just saying to seek your heart and seek your heart truly, I guess, but seek the Lord and let him seek your heart and seek out time with your husband and determine, do I need to work outside the home in this season? So that's, I'm going to leave that there and let you work through that one. Um, so let's talk a little bit about marriage in the empty nest season. This can be a time, you know, our kids have left and we have been needed for a lot of things. We can wrongly assume our husbands are now going to either meet all our needs or they're going to fill the void that's in our hearts from our children leaving. But that isn't their job. Our identity has to be rooted and grounded in Christ. And we know this. We know this, lady, that this is where true contentment is found. We continue to take our eyes off of Christ and we start to look to other things and then we get ourselves into problems, right? Because if I'm looking to my husband for fulfillment, I'm going to be disappointed. He cannot and nor he is, is he called to fulfill that and I'm going to start to become critical and it's not going to go too well for us in our marriages. So, But this is a season in our marriages to draw close to one another to maybe look for some common interest to spend time together. I'm not saying you have to take up hunting or golfing. You may. That's not a bad thing. But here's the other reality. You know what? He's adjusting to this new season too. So offer your husband much grace and make sure that communication is a strong part of your relationship. This is the man that you've committed to staying with till death do us part. So um, we forget about busyness we can, it can just really set in and we need to still be intentional in planning our time together. You may have freedom now in your relationship and life to be spontaneous and do some fun things. And my husband and I do that a lot. Sometimes when we're leaving church, we can go to lunch together alone or, or um, to take a walk after dinner, whatever that may be, but continue to date and enjoy your time alone. And also take that time to maybe get away from the house because I know for us, I can say we're going to stay home and have a date night and that's okay. We, you know, there are times we need to do that even financially, but it's just different because there's always things that need to be done in the home and my mind 
is always, my mind, I may be with them, but my mind may be other places thinking, oh, I should throw that load of laundry in, or hmm, did I take that to thaw, or whatever it is, you know, you're, you're just thinking of home tasks. And also, we can just get caught up in our routines and really forget to enjoy one another. So this comes again, the self-centeredness, but make sure to continue to battle selfishness and pursue the life that God intends for you, and you will be a better lover of your husband, because this is an excellent season for romance and you have an empty house to have all kinds of fun in. And if you go to the post for this, I've linked some articles um, from my marriage series there to take a peek at, even the one on sexual intimacy. Maybe that's a good one if you haven't listened in to listen in because this can be a really fun season of your life now, ladies. You have, you're not going to have little kids possibly walking in on you. So just something else to think about there. And our marriages should model for the younger generation what a godly marriage looks like. And as our adult children and others see a couple who loves each other and we're not just living for ourselves, it gives them a vision and a desire of what to strive for. And I know this is challenging if your husband is not a believer, but what an example to the younger women in your life who also have husbands who aren't believers to model what does it look like to live out those verses in First Peter of a quiet and gentle spirit? What does that look like? Is there a younger couple that you can take under your wing and do life with? You don't have to be an expert to start a small group for young married couples. There's some great resources out there to work through together. Wayne Mack, um, he has some helpful marriage resources. Family Life Today has their Art of Marriage series. I've not honestly looked at it, but I've heard good things about it. That looks good too. And in a book written by Barbara Rainey, as I'm talking about family life, and Susan Yates, they wrote a book on the empty nest years called Barbara and Susan's Guide to the Empty Nest. I want to share a quote from their book, which is a a helpful resource too in this season. There's not a lot of them for us as believers, and this was one I had come across, but they said, I make the choice to give my husband the benefit of the doubt, to not comment on everything he does or doesn't do, to focus on the things I appreciate about him, and to verbally express gratitude. That quote right there, it's in the post to look at, that goes for whatever season of life we're in our marriages. And just make sure that you cherish that man you're with and you fondly remember back why you married and chose him in the first place. A big one is to make sure if he's open to do that, to pray together daily. There is no better way than to connect through prayer. Plan and pursue life together in this season. And again, make time for fun and spontaneity. Think about things like, I'm just going to throw some ideas to get your mind racing here, okay? Walks after dinner together. Maybe having fun cooking together in the kitchen, a special dinner, something fun. My husband and I sometimes used to do like Blue Apron and things like that and have sort of a date night at home where we cook together. Although I always got stuck being the sous chef and he got the fun part of being the cook. So all good. I'm good cutting up veggies and then he gets all the glory for the great meal, but it's good. Reading books together. We love to do that, especially when we take trips together. We'll read books together or go through a devotional together. We're in a season where we can travel together. He has to travel out for work, so I'm able to tag along with him. Sunday uh, nights are usually our times that we plan our week out together, and we can look ahead on things we want to do with grandbabies or each other or things we want to get done around the house. We use Google Calendar, and we keep a shared calendar so I can see where he is for work. He could see my appointments if I'm meeting a friend or I have work things that I've committed to. And we can be respectful of each other's time and see the open areas where we have some freedom to plan together. 
I love that we're able to read our Bibles together in the mornings, and that's been a sweet time. We do still plan regular date nights somewhere out doing something, and I talked earlier about the praying together, but one thing we do do when we pray together, and this is a help if time you're, you know, and I hate to say time that you're short on time, but we like to take turns. So one night he prays, and then the next night I pray, and that's been a sweet way to work in prayer in our evenings together. And we have a lot of freedom. We both can have open time of prayer, but just if you're looking for a system that maybe your husband might be open to, that's one thought there. So let me move a little about what does it look like to parent adult children in the MT years? Okay, so this was a little harder adjustment than I anticipated it to be because as mamas, we are pouring into our children when they're home and they're seeking our guidance. And, you know, I'm more than happy to give them all the advice or guidance they need, right? But the transition now to having an adult child on their own and to realize that, you know what, they may not want all that good help I think I have and I feel that they need. Um, That was a new one for me and to learn what to do. So learning to speak, learning when not to speak, and learning how to speak when you need to is a skill that I am still working on. (laughs) That's, That's a little bit of a challenge. My children are now responsible for their choices. They are not under my roof anymore and they are on their own. And they may choose to do things differently than I do. Their homes may look differently, whatever. There may be differences. And again, the reminder, just because it's different doesn't mean it's wrong. It's just different. It can be harder for us to trust God in this season because in our minds, we seemingly controlled so much when they were under our roof. But now they're not there and we can't really feel, I'm going to put this in quote, kind of in charge, not that we ever were, but you get what I'm saying, in charge of their lives. But this is a great season, mamas, of our lives to grow in that area uh, with our relationship with the Lord, in the area of trust, learning the true meaning of what it means to trust the Lord in all things. Watching our children make mistakes can be challenging, but be reminded we as young people made a lot of mistakes and we learned probably the most from those mistakes we made and it is part of the maturing process just in general to mature but spiritually to mature at times so pray for your children that's the biggest thing we can do for them pray for your adult children pray before you speak to them when it may be a difficult conversation or one again like kind of i shared above that maybe do i really need to say this And sometimes I know when I've prayed over a situation, the Lord makes it clear that I didn't even need to have that conversation. So I'm thankful for those times. Okay, what about prodigals? Um, My first thought here is to love them well and share with them about the Lord when the opportunity arises, but not continually. Like, don't do that every time you're with them because they already know the truth and we don't need to continue to bang them with it where they just... They, that I don't desire my child to not ever want to see me because of that or just dread it. Like, here she goes again. We don't have to bring it up every time we're with them. But when you're praying, be reminded that the Lord is at work all the time. We may not see anything going on, but the Lord is working. And if there's an area, maybe there's something you need to own up to from in the past that you need to apologize for or make right or seek forgiveness Take care of that if that comes up, especially sometimes when you're praying, the Lord brings something, the Spirit brings something to your mind and heart like, I need to deal with that. There's some sin or something that comes out in our time. 
we will never go wrong with humility. Humility is always the best way. And as you're praying, pray for the Lord to bring other believers into their lives that'll share truth with them. You know, maybe some friendships of other Christians that might come about. And what about if you really have estranged children? What does that look like? You know, children that won't talk to you because of your faith in Christ. That's a hard one. And I, I, my heart hurts for you because that would be difficult. But you know, you can still send cards and letters and the big one always is you can still pray for them. And again, even coming back to the apology, is there something you need to seek forgiveness for and try to make right to the best of your ability? And as in Romans, it says, and I'm blanking on the verse, but to the best of our ability to make peace. And then I need to trust him in that. I, I can't change somebody else and, and their thinking and their ways, but I can make sure that my conscience is clear and I've made things right with the Lord and with them to the best of my ability and continue to pray for them and you know, you can still send gifts and birthday cards. I don't know what they'll do with it when they get it, but you can still do that. You don't have to be overbearing with it, but on those moments you have opportunity. I I would take advantage of that, but you need to seek um, the Lord and your husband on that, on what you think you should do. But some other ways now to connect with our adult children without being overbearing. I'm just going to throw some ideas on what we do. And again, this is just to get your thought process going is, to check in with them by phone at least weekly. Now, my daughter and I probably talk almost every day, but maybe that's more me than her. So I may have to talk to her about that and see if she needs me to cut back on that. But you can always send encouraging texts or cards and, you know, encourage your spouse to do this. Encourage your husband to reach out to the kiddos too, yet to those adult kids because they need dad's perspective and insight. And sometimes I know dads, it's a little easier to let that go because mom's taking care of it, but encourage him, you know, hey, have you called, have you called our son or have you reached out to our daughter lately? Ask them how you can pray for them. That's a big one. And that's a really helpful way to open a conversation, even with your non-believing child. Nobody ever seems to turn down prayer. Make regular dates with your kids one-on-one. -on -one. You know, maybe you meet them for coffee once a month or just get some time alone with them if you can. You know, my daughter has her littles and she loves to write and she'll throw a text out to me that maybe she's going to Starbucks to write. And Amber, I know I don't get to do that with you all the time like I want to, but sometimes she comes to our house to write too because it's a quiet place now, remember? We're quiet, we're empty nesters. So we get that time together and I try to reach out to my son to meet him for lunch or get him for a dinner or whatever that is. But I do love getting one-on-one -on -one time. And my daughter and I um, started, we've done it the past couple years. One time we went to a writing retreat together. And this last year, we just went to a local hotel and hung out overnight and had dinner and just hung together. And I'm kind of hoping we can do that yearly. I'd like my hubby to work on that one with my son. Um, their schedules can get a little bit trickier, but I'd love to work that out with them. Maybe you plan an annual family out, and especially if your family's a little larger. We just have two children, a little easier. But if you have a larger family, maybe you plan an outing somewhere. You go camping, you go to a local hotel and do an overnight. You just meet together for a big all-day picnic somewhere or something, or you know, just something other besides holiday get-togethers. Maybe just a time to play and have fun. Another one is when you have a married child, Take the time to learn about your new son-in-law or daughter-in-law, their likes and interests, and treat them as you would treat your own children. I, I love having a shared family calendar, and I know maybe not all families will be open to that, but we can all see where everyone is. So we have a home calendar 
where my son and daughter and my husband and I, we can all share and see where we're all going and what's going on. And I really love it for my daughter that she can see my calendar because if she needs to plan an appointment for a hair or a dentist or she's got something to do, she can see when I'm free and able to keep the grandbabies and shoot me a note and say, hey mom, I'm, you know, this day I'm looking at and I see you don't have anything on the calendar, are you good to keep the babies? And obviously I'm pretty much always good to keep the babies, so that's never an issue. Um, so here's one, when they don't share your beliefs, what does that look like? And I have this with my son and I've shared this before. My son is not a believer, but I do try to learn about his interests and reach out, whether it's buying him a book or picking up something. I don't compromise on my beliefs and I still share the gospel and I talk about Christ when I have the opportunity, but I can still show unconditional love to him while still adhering to the truth. And this is important because as your kids see that you are standing firm in the truth that you know is true, not because I believe it, but because it's true, I don't know how the Lord's going to use that in their life at some point. We continue to love and reach out and spend time together. I'm I'm thankful that with our son, we still have a very good and close relationship. And I continue to pray that his eyes will be open to the truth. But I do desire to love him well. Um, this is hard. I am not saying this is easy, all right? But it has really grown me in my prayer life and my dependence on the Lord. And I remind myself often that it is only by the grace of God I go. This keeps me in a right place when my heart is feeling critical or judgmental to maybe life choices that he's making. Um, I have been shown much grace. I need to offer much grace. And offering grace doesn't mean that you're compromising. You need to remember that. And friend, this area of my life has also grown me to have more compassion on others who are in the same season that I probably would not have as my children seemingly seem to both be walking with the Lord. And this change has really softened my heart towards others who have prodigals. And I see how difficult it is. And it is not a season to judge others. It is a season to pray for them and offer grace. And they need your love and encouragement. They don't get that a lot. We probably get more judgmental thinking. And I think people are concerned, oh, I don't want my child to go that way. So it's like, you know what? Where is my thinking that I have something to do with the salvation of my children? Yes, I need to model that in my life. But God is the author of salvation. And he is the one who opens their hearts and minds to the gospel. I need to be faithful to share, but God is the one who does the work there. All right. So don't get so heavy with these children. Take time to have fun and enjoy them. They are still your babies and you love them and you like to be with them. Remember that. Okay, kind of moving on as I'm coming to close here, this next phase. So what does it look like to live a life that is kingdom focused in these years? Listen, we have the opportunity to pour into our husbands and children and grandchildren, but we also have the opportunity to pour into the younger women that the Lord has put in our lives and in our church families, right? So to my younger women, I encourage you here to seek out older women and have teachable hearts ready to listen and learn. And to my older women, remember, we can learn a lot from the younger women. So let's do the same. It is ironing sharpen, sharpening iron, and we are called to encourage one another. Point the younger women not to just your opinion or experience, but to God's word. This is what we all need. And to do this, we must be a student of the word. This is a great season, ladies, to dig deep into Bible study and learn and share what you're learning with others. Be open to the younger woman about mistakes and failures in your life, but don't stop there. 
point to the Lord, praise him, and talk about how he has worked through them and what you've learned through them by keeping your focus on him. Don't keep that focus on your mistakes, but on the one, capital O, who makes all things new and continues to mold us more into his image as we walk with him through the challenges of life on this fallen earth. We're all teachers, right? Pass on the biblical principles that you've learned and disciple the younger women in your life. It doesn't have to be a formal Bible study. Application of God's word and knowledge of it comes from doing life day to day alongside each other. Sanctification takes a lifetime. There's a lot of theological talk that goes on when we're just cooking together or drinking coffee together and just continuing to point each other back to truth and the word. And it doesn't mean that you're just quoting Bible verses off the top of your mouth, but you're sharing biblical principles as you're speaking and you're talking about things, how to deal with a certain situation with a husband, how to pray about something, how to deal with a situation with a child. And maybe you don't know and you're like, you know, I don't know what to do with that, but I'm going to pray for you and I'm going to seek his word and I pray you will. It doesn't mean that you have all the answers. It, it does mean that you are there to love them for where they are at and you're going to offer grace and to pour the truth and wisdom in your life that the Lord has given you. So in their book, in the last chapter, Barbara Rainey and Susan Yates shared a mission statement from a couple. It was a couple that was approaching the empty nest years. And this couple put the statement together by looking at older people and they listed themes and traits they wanted to emulate in three areas. And I think it's a good way to, for us to end today. The three areas were attitude, serving, and being others focused. So the first was attitude. And they based this off of the verses, um, the verse Philippians 4, 8. So they said, first off, to make our home safe, welcoming, and fun, to listen well, to share wisdom and advice when we've been given permission, to be patient and not demanding, to be willing to take risks, make mistakes, and try new things, to remain technologically savvy, and to remain culturally relevant so we can communicate with the next generation. Now, I know when I say culturally relevant, you're all like, Marcy, what are you talking about? I'm like, well, I want to know what's going on in the world and how does that, how does a biblical worldview have me to think rightly in those situations? I think that's good stuff and I feel bad. I'm not probably as good as this as I should be, but that's why I listen to Albert Muller's The Briefing. Just a good plug there for that. Okay, our other one is the other, the, third, the second area was serving others and they based that on Philippians 2.4. They said to be others focused, and we talked about this, not self-focused, to be involved in the lives of our children and grandchildren. And then the last one was um, lastly finishing well. And I kind of missed that. No, that's it, lastly finishing well. And it's based on Deuteronomy 34.7. They said to diligently take care of our health, to not become complacent, about our physical intimacy, but to remain vibrant into old age. Again, listen to my podcast on sexual intimacy. I don't know the episode number, but you can find it under the podcast episodes. To remain well-read and to stay on the cutting edge of culture and Christianity. I'm going to comment on this one here too, that it is good for us to learn to be in our Bibles, but to also read other good books and to have some good resources on hand maybe to pass along to others in certain areas and to know what's going on, to know and be able to speak truth if somebody brings up something about the health, wealth, prosperity gospel that you know why that is a false gospel and it's heretical and it's not right. So those are good things to know. They also said under finishing well to fight the good fight, to finish well. And I love this last one, to die well, to be strong in the faith to our last breath. That one, I pray the Lord continues to work in my life as I'm aging. 
And I personally would like to add to their list to continue to grow in the grace and knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ, that time in the word and prayer is something we now have the time to commit to on a daily basis for longer lengths of time. And this is where true wisdom is found for our own lives and the wisdom we desire to pour into the lives of others. And may our lives point to Christ and bring honor and glory to his name. And may we hear friends at the end of our race, well done, good and faithful servant. Jesus is enough always. And friends, thank you for your time today. I'm going to, I have a resource of the, of the week too. It's actually been more like the month, but I have a resource to share too. But also if you get a moment and the podcast has been a blessing to you, please take a moment and leave a review or rating wherever you listen in. Um, it helps the other women find it. And I have so appreciated each and every one of you for that. Thank you so much. But my resource this week is my own resource. And it's my new free library site. Here, I'm, I'm keeping with that technologically savvy. And let me tell you, this took me like a whole day to figure out. And I'm still working on the tweaks. But I have um, several resources uploaded on this new free library site that's on my blog. They're just PDF downloads that are there for you. And the new one I just put up this weekend and finished is called 20 Ways to Find Time with the Lord When Your Days Are Crazy Busy. I'm going to continue to add new resources, and I have a growing list in my planner of ones that I want to make and get available to my subscribers, but I'm a little slow on the technology side, so I'm working hard on getting a little better with some of these online things like Canva to work those out. But I'll have a link in the um, the the post for this um, podcast episode to access the free library, but you can also just find it in the top menu bar of my blog. It just, I think it just says free library. And when you hover over that, it'll come down and it'll show you how to access that. If you're not already a, a subscriber, if you're a subscriber, you just got my email with your, um, your passcode and stuff to it. So you have that. And if you are a subscriber and you didn't get the passcode, shoot me an email at thankfulhomemaker at thankfulhomemaker. Dot com. That's a mouthful. Yep. So have a very blessed week, my dear friends. Mm-hmm.